Thinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project co-founder and editor-in-chief, Matt Agrist. So today's format is going to be a little bit different than normal. We have Carrie Wedler join us, and also Free Thought Project writer, Don Vai Jr. We decided to have a conversation about the recent Russia-Ukraine conflict as a roundtable, so we hope you enjoy. Well, welcome back, Harry. Welcome back to the podcast, Don. And uh, usually we try to have a bit more of a structure when we do these podcasts, but this time it was kind of like an emergency last minute. Uh, we had a guest cancel, but it's kind of perfect timing because there's so much going on right now. So obviously the Ukraine-Russia conflict has been dominating headlines. In most ways, it seems to be justified, but there's a lot more to the equation than what we're being told by the mainstream media so obviously, there's a lot to unpack and, and talk about. I'm not even sure really where we start, but like maybe we could just talk about some of the biggest misconceptions and um, how, like usual, the media just seems to be making it worse. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions that's going around right now, which is particularly dangerous, is the association with anyone who criticizes U.S. involvement with the, in Ukraine as being a agent of the Kremlin, you know, and committing treason. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's laughable, but it's also really, it's crazy. Um, Congressman Massey last night tweeted that he was like one of the sole votes, uh, to, to vote no against, um, this, this act to help the Ukraine. And, and it's, he did it because it kind of leaves the door open for, for NATO involvement in the area, which could, which could generate world war three. And, like the the comments, I mean, he was rational. He was he said that you know, like what's happening in Ukraine is is an unlawful invasion by Putin, you know, and he's, he's not supporting the Russians at all. He just he's like this could be, uh, you know, this could get this could start nuclear war or or worse, you know. I mean, well, not worse than nuclear war. He's like, but this could leave the the door open for all kinds of abuses in the future. So that's why I voted no. And below that, dude, there you know, there's hundreds of trolls on there calling for him to be you know, arrested for treason, which is punishable by death in the United <laughs> States, you know, like this is, this is getting serious. And if you just, like, I, I know you guys are probably experiencing the same thing. Whenever you say something like speak out against U.S. involvement in the Ukraine, then you're automatically, uh, you know, you're, you're automatically associated with, with the Kremlin. And even, even if you like denounce Putin, you know, beforehand, it's, it doesn't matter. And that kind of groupthink mentality is, is super dangerous. Yeah, man. I mean, the McCarthyism that is is starting to really take root again is, is it's absolutely insane. And uh, you know, you put out an article just earlier today, you know, about that exact thing. Is this you know this new wave of McCarthyism? And uh, I mean, I've been accused twice in my career of being a Russian asset for the same old nonsense. And I'm like, 
Where's the check at? First of all, I guess they misplaced it, right? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you have plenty of anti-imperialist journalists that are calling out so many of these false paradigms propagated by the West. Uh, you know, guys like Max Blumenthal, Dan Cohen, Aaron Mate, Jimmy Dore, and uh, Rachel Blevins, and you know, they're all getting like these insane death threats. And it's like, yo, calm down. First of all. <laughs> I just want to bring it back. We've talked about this on a previous podcast, but in 2016, right after Donald Trump won, is when they really picked up the Russia bad narrative, Russia evil, Russia destroying democracy narrative. And I think you guys were on the same list the Washington Post published where they, I actually just tried to access it, and it says on Google Drive, it was a drive link, and it says, we're sorry, you can't access this item because it's in violation of our terms of service. And this is the link from the Washington Post article. But in that thing that you can no longer access in this document, they accused us, you guys, of being useful idiots for Russia. And one of the criteria, I remember this so vividly, was basically questioning U.S. foreign policy. And I don't know that it was worded like so bluntly, like it was definitely worded to make Russia sound bad. But basically, you could be a useful idiot for Russia if you oppose the U.S. empire. And I can't help but see that however it's been what's almost six years five and a half years after a constant barrage of anti-russia propaganda hysteria and i'm not saying putin's good the russian government has a long-standing history of corruption and human rights abuses but i think the american public or at least the left-wing faction of it that leans more mainstream obviously not people like jimmy Dore, but the liberals the ones who have all their flags in their profile pictures right now for ukraine who are trolling massey the ones who are who are so committed to the official narratives, I can't help but think that after six years of this barrage of propaganda, like no wonder they are so chomping at the bit about the particular issue. Because I don't know, maybe if the media had spent six years going off about the Saudis and how they behead they behead people and they imprison protesters and they whip people who question the official truths in the regime and the monarchy, like maybe people would care about them bombing Yemen, but because the media does not focus on it and they're so fixated on on creating the, I don't want to say boogeyman because again, like I'm an anarchist, none of these governments are good to me, but it's really uh, disturbing to watch how easily led people are. And it's not surprising because you keep repeating it. You keep repeating it. Of course, people are going to be terrified of Russia and have selective outrage about it. Well, to touch on what Matt said and what Carrie just said, I, I made a tweet a few days ago. It didn't do very well, but the tweet said, you know, amidst a renewed effort of anti-Russia hysteria, new Trojan horse policies are being rolled out and lockstep by big banks, big tech, corporate media and government to basically ban, censor, condemn and control anyone contradicting the Russia-Ukraine establishment narrative. And, and that should be a red flag. And I, I say this because obviously right now people have a moral right to condemn Russia. We get that. We all understand that. But mm-hmm. as somebody who's been paying attention to media narratives and how fast news cycles change for nearly 10 years now, uh, should be, it should be a, a huge red flag to anybody to see how lock and step they are with this. And it's, it could be even something along the lines of like, it's not necessarily uh, to condemn what Russia's doing, but more to promote the anti-Russia hysteria that they've already tried to bring a few times, but now it seems like it's actually hooked. It's hooked the American public uh, because of this act of aggression. And so therefore the U.S. media and the government are pushing as much attention towards Ukraine and giving Ukraine the support that they need, uh, you know, through our profile pictures and all these other absurd things. (laughs) 
But unfortunately, it seems like there is an agenda here. And I think a lot of people are missing that. And I think it's important to focus on these agendas because once we do that, we strike at the root of the empire. Because at the heart of all this manipulation, it ends up being policy changes. There ends up being actual real-life manifestations of actions that actually negative, ne- negatively affect people. So we do have to call out the media and their uh, distortion, their manipulation. This is absolutely critical to what we're doing, and that doesn't take away at all from what's going on with Ukrainian people and the suffer everything that they're suffering. That's valid. That's important to recognize. But there's also much bigger uh, agenda that's going on here. We we need to acknowledge that. Certainly, and certainly, Putin is responsible for a lot of you know sowing a lot of this discord. The the Russian bot, uh, you know, the scandal that act, that you know that came out <clears throat> a few years ago that was real. You know, the, the, Russia has every interest in the world in sowing discord among, you know, among citizens here. But it's like the mainstream media played right into that. You know, I, right now on Twitter, thank a Republican is trending for the Ukrainian war. They're, oh, <laughs> right? my God. It, it, it played it, the, the, the left is buying or the, the liberal, the, the neoliberal, uh, you know, establishment is buying into Putin's uh, discord that he's been sowing in there. And 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 there you have the you have millions of people on Twitter right now thanking a Republican for for what's going on in the Ukraine and and it's just it's just so easy and and irresponsible and lazy and mental uh, intellectually lazy to 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 be able to make that association you know yeah yeah just just Trump is responsible for for this entire debacle that's been going on since well before he even sought office you know like no one even cares to look at NATO or look at the history of Ukraine. And the, you know, the complete surrounding of Russia with with NATO nations over the last uh, three decades. No one cares to look at that and see that the security threat that the that the U.S. putting weapon systems in Ukraine and Georgia and, and all these other areas all around Russia, uh, you know, that was was threatening the security of Russia and the people. No one looks at that. It's it's fucking thank a Republican for the for the invasion of the Ukraine and just, OK, that's easy. That's it. It's done. I'm, I'm done with that. You know, that's it. <laughs> There's, well, it's, I'm, it's insane. Uh, well, and I, I'm so like, I'm not shocked because like, again, we've been doing this for so long. It really shouldn't be shocking, but I'm just, I never cease to be amazed at how, how absolutely distorted these narratives are because you're looking at people. I know I'm sure a lot of you saw the Occupy Democrats tweet where they're praising civilians with weapons of war. All of a sudden <laughs> they're, they see the need for weapons of war. And it's it, not only is it like this hypocrisy, this like complete mishmash of views and contradictions, but I'm also looking at this. Is, that was actually a tangent. What I meant to say was there's such a black and white view where Putin has to be bad. So that means Zelensky has to be good. And I saw a really interesting tweet. I don't know who it was by. I don't want to take credit for the observation, but She was talking about like the fetishization of these leaders like they did it with Cuomo. They did it with Trudeau when he was going after the convoy. They're doing it now with Zelensky. And it's like, well, if the people I don't like are bad, well, then the person who's citing them must be good. And it's like, no, Zelensky is he's still an authoritarian. He's still someone who colludes and wanted with the West. And I'm not saying if it's Western, it's bad because that feeds right into the black and white thinking. But like NATO is not not a quote peacekeeping organization like look up nato peacekeepers and what they do abroad in other countries it's not peace they are not helping people maybe some help of course but overall it's not a force of good but you see these people i think 
they're not able to see the gray area, which is kind of funny because all those NPC memes, it's gray people, but, but like they're not allowed, <laughs> it's, they're, the media does not allow them to see the nuance because it has to be black and white to get their consent for whatever comes next. Mm. Yes, good point. The, the epitome of that was, was Biden and Trudeau both taking to the airwaves last week and saying that they stand for freedom and democracy <laughs> two weeks after they, you know, that after... Canada was freezing the protesters' bank accounts without due process and arresting people and and beating down protesters in the street for standing for freedom and democracy. Right. Uh, not to mention the fact that the Ukraine is not a democracy. And Tulsi Gabbard made a good video last week about that. And um, you know, the when after Zelensky was elected president, uh, he actually had three TV stations in the in the Ukraine taken off the air and, and suspended mm-hmm. with uh with no due process and then he had his the party that came in second to his election he had those people arrested and you know and since in in the Ukraine in general since 2014 they've they've been shelling the Donbass region uh you know killing all kinds of innocent civilians and in, in in including children there's actually a a memorial set up for the children who've been killed in these in these shellings of that region. So to call the you know to call this area like a, a bastion of freedom and democracy is is <laughs> is dishonest and um and it's also utterly ridiculous that people can just be like look at Trudeau and Biden calling this you know we stand with the free we stand with freedom like no you don't dude you fucking locked up people for standing for freedom that's the opposite. I was just looking at the numbers, and yeah, it's been 14,000 people uh, roughly in Ukraine who've been killed by their own government since 2014, another 30,000 wounded. Uh, estimated toll includes 3,300 civilian deaths. They're certainly not angels, the, the Ukrainian government. Speak to like just the, the disparity between reality and what's being reported and what people are aware of. Um, not that I care about taxes. But when the Panama Papers came out, Zelensky was implicated in them for having mm-hmm. offshore money. When he had been speaking out against corruption, he was going to fix Ukraine and all the corruption there. And again, I don't care about taxes. However, if you're a public official that's leeching off the public and their tax dollars, and then you're going to go offshore your money, one, that's hypocritical. But two, I'm sorry, were American liberals not outraged for the last however many years because Donald Trump didn't release his tax returns? Was that not like one of their biggest gripes with him? Oh, well, he didn't pay his taxes. It's not fair. And now they're going to complete. Well, the thing is, they're not ignoring it about Zelensky. I think they just don't know. Because as much as they will shame people and point fingers at people for being misinformed or, or consuming disinformation, I, I, I can't say that they're, they're doing their own research, really, because they've been told that that's not safe. They have to listen to official sources. And I'm not really seeing uh, the media covering all of his hypocrisies that really should be offending liberals. Right. And that's, that's really, you know, one of the biggest things about Ukraine that so many Americans really don't understand is just the amount of corruption that has taken place in that country. It is the second most corrupt country in all of Europe, coming in second place only to Russia itself in the <laughs> amount of corruption. Uh, and, and, you know, just so many of the things that the American public aren't being told about, uh, part and parcel being the fact that there are so many fucking Nazis running all throughout mm-hmm. their military and their government mm-hmm. uh, since the overthrow of the government in 2014. And there are so many of these facts that Americans uh, by our media are just not being told about. And you'd think that some of these people with these Ukrainian flags on their profile pictures might, you know, reconsider when they're cheering on the Ukrainian security forces when, you know, 
they have these pictures of the Azov Battalion, and they're not aware, hey, mm-hmm. these are the same guys that fly swastikas and have SS Thunderbolts on their helmets. So mm-hmm. these are the dudes that the American government and the CIA have been fomenting an insurgency with and giving weaponry to, specifically to overthrow the Yukonovich government in 2014. Yeah, just wait until the left figures that out, right? That should be interesting. <laughs> Well, I saw an Intercept article, and apparently Facebook is – they're not removing posts praising that battalion, even though they're neo-Nazis, because they're fighting the Russians, so they must be good. It's okay. We can make an exception for Nazis as long as they're fighting mean Putin. Do we have any idea of how much of a size of that faction is? Like, how big is it? Like, how much they represent? I've seen the counter-narrative by the left saying, well, it's just a small fraction. It is a small uh, faction, but I think that they were used as, like uh, – as useful it is by the coup that the U.S. helped to, uh, you know, in, to stage in 2014. So the neo-Nazis were definitely an, um, an ally of covert forces in Ukraine, you know, as far back as 2014. And um, this has been like this is a matter of public record. You know, there's the, the there's Reuters articles from just a few years ago about, you know, Ukraine's neo-Nazi problem. And it's not mm-hmm. that it's not that they're not being funded by the Russians, right? This is a this is a, a, a militia that has the support of the government in Kiev, and um, that that is a large, you know, it's a large problem. And, and the U.S. officials have been pictured with these with some of these same folks. So uh, I would start naming them, but I can't pronounce any of their names, and I sound really stupid if I do. But uh, yeah, the, the, this is these, you know, McCain and Biden himself were, uh, uh, you know, all all. They've been in pictures with these people making backdoor weapons deals with them, and um, it's it has a long history. But again, the majority of the people in Ukraine are not these Nazis. You know, there is there's right. definitely a smaller group in there that uh, that are, and they they have the, you know they're they're like serious Nazis, not like what the Antifa calls Trump supporters. These people like salute Hitler, white you know white pride, and want to carry out genocide. That's the kind of Nazis that they are. But the thing about the neo-Nazis in the Ukraine is like, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that the majority of civilians are not Nazis. But there is a very prevalent neo-Nazi ideology stretching throughout the entirety of its military and its government. I was actually, right before we got on here, I was watching a new video by Jimmy Dore, and he elaborating just uh, how much uh, this stuff really stretches throughout uh, their entire military and government, and is is openly accepted. You know, they still have statues of Stepan Bandera uh, living in Livy, which is the town in Ukraine that he was born in. Um, we we're talking about it on the Rundown Live just a, a few episodes ago. Um, I brought up uh, articles from the Times of Israel showing that uh, from 2022, from 2021, and all these years back, that every year on like in the beginning of January, between January 1st to 3rd, so around the time that uh, Stepan Bandera was born, there are thousands of torch, uh, thousands of carriers of these torches, people attending these torchlight marches, uh, honoring Stepan Bandera and neo-Nazism. And the Azov Battalion, though it is small, it has been able to maneuver its people into these positions of power in the police forces and the military to the point where even just the other day, I'd actually uh, posted on Facebook uh, calling out the fact that the official Twitter page of the Ukrainian National Guard, because after the 2014 coup, the Azov Battalion was actually formally integrated into the National Guard. The official Twitter page was actually uh, put up a tweet praising the Azov Battalion for coating their bullets in lard. 
to go fight the Chechens. Uh, and for those who are unaware, the Chechen fighters who are Muslim, that's a thing that racists will do. They'll coat their bullets mm. in pork because in the uh, Muslim faith, if you consume pork, you automatically go to hell. So they're praising this neo-Nazi battalion for coating their bullets in lard to send the Muslims to hell, which is just – it's all racism is sickening. But to see it so openly praised uh, like that by an official account of this government is, is repugnant. I'm glad you brought up racism because I'm curious. I do not have a hard opinion on this, but it is curious to watch these liberals who view themselves as so tolerant and so concerned for minorities, but they have zero interest in what the U.S. does to minorities. Not only, I mean, they they care in America, but in the Middle East, like how long have they been killing innocent people, poor people, brown people, and there's no concern. I'm curious how much you guys think that their outrage over Ukraine versus the Middle East is rooted in racism versus just the way the media has manipulated them. It's like pro-America versus uh, pro-brown people, I guess, or pro, pro-race anything. Like how much is it just a matter of political interest versus uh, white racism or white liberal racism. It's uh, uh, it's actually crazy that you mentioned that. We actually aggregated a an article from uh, Mint Press News this morning, which which delved into that. And um, Mint Press News they made a, a like a media mashup of all these different mainstream reporters talking about why they, you know, why they're so concerned with the Ukraine and not other wars. And uh, right. I was I was trying to see if I could play it. I think I can. I'm going to see if this works. And if you guys can hear it, let, let me know. When you look at what happened in the last refugee crisis in Europe back in 2015, Poland was one of the EU countries that, you know, was hesitant to take in refugees. Talk about what has changed. Just to put it bluntly, these are not refugees from Syria. These are refugees from uh, neighboring Ukraine. I mean, that, is, quite frankly, is part of it. These are... Um, Christians, they're white, they're... um... This isn't a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan. This is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European, I have to choose those words carefully too, a city where you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's going to happen. It's very emotional for me because I see European people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed. These are not people trying to get away from areas in North Africa. They look like any European family that you would live next door to. and this is not a developing third world nation this is europe <laughs> isn't that crazy like these we have the social justice warriors with all these ukrainian flags in their profile pics and they have no idea that what they're doing is just like supporting uh the uh, you know just the like the spotlight held on this one area which is just this white <laughs> Uh, Anglo-Saxon community that, and while ignoring the plight of all the other people they claim to stand for and stand up for the rights for here in America, it's absolutely fucking mind blowing to me. So I'm glad we touched on the neo Nazis. There's also been some speculation about uh, bio labs. Have, do you guys have anything to say on that? I, I feel like there's a, it, it's like a small contingency of quote conspiracy theorists talking about it. Uh, but there is some suggestion that uh, Ukrainian or excuse me, American backed biolabs near the Russian border in Ukraine uh, were potential, uh, I don't know, 
points of interest and potentially dangerous for the the Russian population. So that was one of the the reasons uh, Putin got involved and decided to take military action. Yeah, I don't know that there's a whole bunch of evidence to back that up. They did say last year, um, Putin's advisor, Nikolai Patrushkev, uh, he claimed that the U.S. was developing uh, bioweapons in the Ukraine. And then, uh, you know, and then they helped, they said that at some U.N. Security Council meeting. And then when you, I went and looked it up and you could see that there's a the U.S. has a website up called the Biological Threat Reduction Program. And in that um, on their website, it says that they do have bio labs in Kiev there where in which they're studying the world's most dangerous infectious diseases. Now, this isn't like a conspiracy theory website this is the u.s government's actual website about the biolabs in kiev and uh so th- there was a guy that tweeted out a lot of this information on uh right when the invasion began began on like the 24th and that tweet like went super viral I remember 23rd rather sorry and his tweet and thread went super viral and then poof he was wiped off you know <laughs> and it just so happened to like there was a map of the strikes that Russia had taken inside the Ukraine and they kind of coincided with where the US biolabs were inside the Ukraine so there's no proof or anything that other than complete speculation about this but it is it's very it's it's fucking crazy for one that we have fucking bioweapons labs in Kiev, right? Like this is a corrupt. We just finished establishing how corrupt and crazy this this country is with neo-Nazis inside of it. And yet the US has uh, you know, biolabs inside of it in which they're studying quote the world's most dangerous infectious diseases end quote according to their own website. I mean that that's some crazy shit. <laughs> so yeah, I mean we don't have any kind of proof the US is not you know, confirmed nor denied any of this. They they censored the guy that was actually saying it. So I have no idea. But that's those are two factual statements that the Russians, uh, Putin's advisor, Petrushkev, said last year that the U.S. is developing bioweapons in Ukraine, and then the U.S. actually admits to developing bioweapons in Ukraine. So I have a couple so, thoughts on this because I'm not I'm not super familiar with this. I do wonder, like. I'm not disputing the fact that there are labs there, but I wonder, like, it probably would not be the safest move to, like, blow them up if your concern is containing those weapons. Exactly. I mean, that's my concern. But what I've really noticed that I want to touch on, because this is not new with Putin, um, and it's not to, uh, I mean, watch my videos. I have spent my entire career calling out the U.S. empire. Like, I'm not trying to defend America in any way, but I do notice, and it's more common, I think, on the left anti-establishment, but... I, I've noticed this happened with Assad, like when America is getting involved in a conflict they should not be involved in, they have no right to be involved in, it comes to that black and white thinking where I stand with anybody who's opposing the U.S. empire, but I, there is this tendency to sort of try to mythologize and make heroes out of the rulers that America is purporting to oppose. So they did this with Assad. And like, yes, Assad was fighting terrorists in this country. He's also a tyrant. And I find that, like, there, there's this tendency for people to be like, look what America's doing to this heroic leader. And as an anarchist, as someone who doesn't believe in political authority at all, it's frustrating for me to see apologies for for rulers who do violate people's rights. Because it's not just America that's, that's the bad guy. To me, it's government. And I think that a lot of times in these anti-imperialist, anti-imperialist conversations, there's a tendency or a, people feel a need to make the other guy good, it comes back to this false dichotomy of good, bad, white, black. 
as far, you know, as far as thinking and, and making moral value judgments. And I just think it's so important to remember that it's not just America. America's terrible. They're really good at empire. I mean, are they? I don't know. They're kind of failing, aren't they? But like, they're really good at spending money on empire and killing people. I don't think that that's necessarily a net win or victory, but um, there's been government since before America existed. And as far as I'm concerned, they've all been violent and they've all caused suffering and, and pushed injustice and hurt people. So all I have to say on this is regardless of whatever the truth is about the bioweapons labs, I think it's so important not to turn Putin into some sort of hero fighting the West because he's not, he's really oppressive. They arrest people for protesting, you know, like, they're, they're, it's an incredibly repressed regime. I don't know. I was just remembering the, do you remember Pussy Riot, that girl group that got imprisoned yeah. for, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like this is not, uh, he's not standing for freedom. Yeah, he might be challenging the U.S. empire and that has its own merits. But to me, anybody who thinks they have the right to rule over other people, to bomb anybody, to, to imprison people for peaceful protest, they are, they're not my ally. Like I, I can point out the hypocrisies of the American empire. And I will do that literally forever. That, like, that's one of my favorite things to do, but I, ju- I think it's important to keep in context. And I'm not saying this to you guys, that it's just more the anti-imperialist. Oh my God. Why do I keep saying it that way? The anti-imperialist movement in general, that I think feels this, it's, it's almost like an, like a, a compulsion to be like, well, America's bad. So the other guy's good. And I, I can't get on board with that. Oh no, not at all. And Putin like to, to establish that he's a, he's a tyrant ex KGB thug who assumed power after Boris Yeltsin and has not relinquished the, you know, the, the throne, if you will, he's become a dictator of Russia. Like this is, you know, and, and like I said before, Russia has been carrying out psyops in the United States. Like if, if you seek power and to seek to rule over a whole country, you're most likely not a very good person. You know, <laughs> <There's> a, <laughs> you have to be a sociopath with some kind of crazy desires. Cause it's not a fun job. It's a very high stress and, you know, job that that it comes with a lot of dangers and and just, uh, you know, the, uh, all kinds of shit that nobody in their right mind would want to deal with unless they desire only power and control. And that's what sociopaths desire. So that's why most people in power are sociopaths and, and tyrants. And if you give them the opportunity to take your freedoms away, they will. And Putin did that in Russia in 1999 after uh he took the, you know, he took the reins from Yeltsin, and it's been like that ever since. And it's not just in Russia; it's in China. It's, it's here in the United States. We have the dicta- dictatorial powers of the two-party, you know, system. It's, uh, it's everywhere, and that's why we, uh, everybody on this call right here, opposes the state because it's a oppressive form of what people think, that, uh, oppressive trick to, to try to think people into the that they can make the they can change the government into doing bending to their will when it's the when it's quite the opposite. I've said for the, like uh, however many years that I've considered myself to be an anarchist. It's uh, you know that old saying goes if five thousand years of humanity has taught us anything, it's that organized government centrally simply doesn't work. It, it all it does is exploit, abuse, and oppress people. That's me clapping. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've certainly caught whiffs of the right romanticizing Putin a little bit as well. And if I had to speculate, I think it probably comes from him just not wanting to play ball with the neoliberal globalists. And I guess to a certain extent, he gets a little bit of credit for that. But again, right. you know, noticing and acknowledging everything that you guys just touched on. I mean, there's there's no way being an anarchist would I ever side with Putin or or any government 
for any you know situation or incident uh but i think that's worth noting it's absolutely yeah. worth noting and that's it's so frustrating because none of us are strangers to being falsely labeled things that we are not you know and it's it's just, it's like this now we're watching like you said about massey getting attacked for simply not wanting to give the federal government, which has a track record of waging horrific wars that destroy infrastructure, destroy human life, create terrorists. Uh, oh, no, he must be a, a Russian asset because he doesn't want to give the U.S. government more power to do more of that. Oh, no. You know, and it's just it, again, it comes back to just that need for people to, to feel certain about their beliefs to to make the other guy bad so they feel good. Um, when in fact, I mean, I, this is, I'm actually working on a video about this right now. Jason knows about it, but all of these liberals are going on and on and on about defending democracy in Ukraine, whether or not Ukraine is actually a democracy. I'm sorry. What have you people done with your democracy here in America? Oh, 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 right. Okay. You've been funding and not caring about the U S government invading foreign countries and killing innocent people, which is what you're mad at Putin for doing. Like, don't lecture me about democracy. I don't even believe in democracy, but that's what you've allowed Quote, if you are the government, which I do not believe, obviously, I just did a video on this, but the, the presumption of democracy is we are the government. Biden said it in a speech. Theodore Roosevelt said it. And these people really believe it. So, like, OK, fine, then the blood's on your hands. So maybe don't go, uh, what is it, throwing stones in glass houses? Exactly. That's a great point, Carrie, about all these people all of a sudden standing up for Ukraine because Russia is invading them and remaining silent uh, for the last 20 years as the United States has invaded the Middle East. And well, actually, not 20 years, um, you know, right, right when the uh, the Iraq and Afghanistan war started to, to unfold, there was a massive anti-war movement. Um, you know, they we're talking hundreds of thousands of people turned up in New York. They were they were uh, they were throwing shoes at the president. You know, like this was uh, <laughs> there were people speaking out at all these different uh, events and everything and, you know, throwing blood on people and. It was a massive anti-war movement, and then Barack Obama happened and put yeah. everybody back to sleep. And ever since then, the anti-war left, left, you know. <laughs> and now there's yeah. no like the we had the the counter to right that kind of opposed a little bit of war under Trump, you know, for a little while, and kind of do now a, a little while. But for the large part, the the right still supports war as well, and and have been largely silent in the 20 years that this has all been taking place. Right. The, the crazy thing to me is that it's really just like, you know, like Carrie said earlier, we shouldn't be surprised, but it's still like when we see it, it still takes us aback to actually right. what's what's and what's really blindsided me is that, you know, so many of my friends that because I think it's sort of a general consensus among like the younger generation, you know, like the the in between the generation X and the generation Y kind of people um, that sort of, you know, grew up during the Iraq war era and, and see the lies of the government. They know that our government's trash and it's full of shit. And so you would think that knowing that there were no WMDs in Iraq, knowing this generation largely being aware that we were lied to, uh, to invade Afghanistan, that they would be a little more conscious and a little more, <laughs> of you know the tricks that the government and its media apparatus use to talk us into these senseless violent conflicts and so like there's this air that they oh uh, you wouldn't have been able to trick me into supporting the iraq war but it's literally fucking happening right now <laughs> the short memory of the american voters is what keeps our politicians in office will rogers <laughs> Well, and it's it's so frustrating, too, because I genuinely believe the people we're talking about who are standing with Ukraine right now and are very ignorant of, of the all of the context that goes into this situation. I like 
I, I genuinely believe that they are sincerely concerned and they have every right to be. It's just unfortunate that I feel that their genuine concerns are totally excluded to serve ruling class interests. You know, yes. like I don't yes. they're not faking their sympathy. They really feel bad. I see these people in my feeds, you know, like the people from high school and college, you know, that <laughs> that I'm surprised they haven't like unfollowed me or deleted me. You know, but like I, I see them spouting off and they really care. It's not that they don't care. It's just that. I, I think that's what's so grotesque about it to me is that they're manipulated and they're exploited for for the the whims and the goals and the interests of people who do not care about them and probably laugh at them that they believe it and that they can pull puppet strings that easily. And it's it's upsetting to see compassion, which is so lacking in this world, then be exploited to serve really discompassionate ends. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up that point, Carrie. That's actually something I wanted to talk about as well, because the media is once again playing on our emotions, right? Just like how if we didn't get vaxxed, we would be the person who killed grandma. Like that, it's just, <laughs> it's insane. But now they're playing up to our anti-war sentiments. And it mm -hmm. seems like the anti-war left is finally starting to awaken once again to war. But as we touched on, it seems like they're being misled into supporting Ukraine, which advances the neoliberal agenda. Uh, but I, I do think it's a point that we need to to focus on and at least consider is that we need to tread lightly when we the way we talk to these people and make clear that we're not denouncing their anti-war efforts right we have right. we have empathy for the ukrainian people who are going through the hell of war i mean 150,000 ukrainians had to flee to the border to seek refuge away from the hell that is war you know and some walked miles and miles from lives they had to abandon so i, I think it's safe to say all citizens have zero influence over their government's choice to go to war. They just get dragged along for the destructive ride, and it upends their lives. So we have compassion for those people. We have empathy. But the part where the media manipulation comes in, that's the part that we're trying to focus on. And I think there's such a lack of distinction from the general public and the masses to separate these two things. And you know, recently, we've been memeing and tweeting about these topics, and there's so much so many people who are confused, thinking that we're on the side of Russia, thinking that we're discrediting the, the, the pain and suffering that the Ukrainian people are going through. But it's more complex than that. And once again, you know, unfortunately, like you were saying, Carrie, like people want to feel like they're on the right side. But the conversation is complex. There's nuance here. There's history involved. And a lot of people don't want to invest that energy and effort to understand it. So you know, what do they do? They change their profile pictures and they, they talk down anybody who has a bigger sense of an idea of what's going on. But I guess my point here is that we really need to be careful on how we navigate this because we don't want to uh, put down or discredit the people who are actually trying to be anti-war and the people who are uh, seeking to support the Ukrainian people who really had no choice in this whole incident. Exactly. I, I made a post about that, uh, touching on that just the other day, actually. I said, uh, you know, now all of a sudden everybody's an anti-war activist. I wish you would have spoken out for Syria or Libya or Iraq or Yemen or uh, Somalia or any of the other places. But I don't care whether it was ignorance or apathy. Now that you're here, keep this same energy from now on. Speak out against the war in, Yemen, or in, in Ukraine. Speak out against Yemen. Now that you're aware of the horrors and destructions of what war can do. Don't just look at the wars that Russia proliferates. Look at what our own country does and what Britain does and what everywhere in the world does because war is a universal concept when it comes to autocratic to authoritarian governments. Speak out against all of it. I don't care what got you to the anti-war movement. I'm glad you're here now. Now move forward. Yes. A lot of these people 
are against the invasion, but not war. They're against right. Rus- what Russia's doing, but they're willing to kick off fucking a nuclear genocide across the planet if, uh, you know, by establishing no-fly zones and everything like that. So there, there's a there's a big difference between these the anti-war folks and the war hawks who look like anti-war folks because they're speaking out against the Russian invasion in Ukraine. The the war hawks are wanting to like saying that they stand up for freedom and democracy and they, they you know they don't want the war in Ukraine. But they're like, we'll fucking establish a no-fly zone and shoot down a Russian fighter jet and then fucking make Putin launch a nuke at us. That's the, that's the, the difference between the people like us and the ones that are like, all right, we need, Russia needs to get the fuck out of there now. All war is bad. We should not be doing anything else. We should be doing everything we can to end this right now. But the, the war hawks that aren't anti-war, that are actually pro-war, military, industrial complex, financiers and benefactors are the ones who are fucking drooling right now at the billions and billions of dollars that the that their weapon stocks prices are are making them and who want an escalation in that region so yeah those people can go fuck themselves but the anti-war people that are on uh, (laughs) you know that are recently anti-war yes look at the other stuff you know we got accused of uh of whataboutism by you know drawing parallels to the war in yemen and and syria and somalia and on in Iraq and Afghanistan, but it's not what about is in, in, and in Palestine, you know, like the shit, like at the same time, the media is completely focused on, <clears throat> on what's going on in Ukraine right now, 20,000 fucking children have been displaced in just the last few weeks in Yemen, you know, and we're talking 300,000 children have been killed since the start of that. It's a fucking tragedy. And this shit is happening right now. It's not like, it's not like, what about is it? Well, what about 50 years ago when this happened? That's not what we're <laughs> fucking talking about shit that's happening right now. You know, right when the fucking U.S. or right when the Russian invaded U- Ukraine, uh, fucking Israel launched an attack in, in, on the Palestinians and killed a bunch of fucking people. And then no one said shit about it. You know, and, and we started we just started recently bombing Somalia again for the first time in months, you know. And the, the Somalians don't want us there. <laughs> you know, it's fucking, we're, a, we're the invading force. We're the invading force in Syria, Somalia, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Yemen. We're, we're, we're providing material support to the invading force. And that's why it's, it's so frustrating. Yes, be anti-war, like Don just said, and, but fucking be consistent here. You know, you can't, you can't claim that you're like for these for the ukrainian people when you when when you and you're against all these other ones you know the my heart bleeds for the ukrainians just like it does for fucking the yemenese children who are starving to death right now in a genocide being facilitated by u.s interests and you know the human cost that that carrie hit on earlier is you know really one of the most devastating parts about this whole thing that i think a lot of the people who were cheering on like yeah you know keep fighting and you know like this i guess we can call the the pseudo anti-war people that we're talking about like they don't realize and i was reading this really good piece um this new piece by whitney webb last night where she was talking about how the cia has really been propping up this new insurgency to kind of turn ukraine into russia's afghanistan war this really long drawn out conflict to sort of topple them uh economically and militarily and you know the people that are like yeah you know keep fighting you know you get you know instead of like yeah let's sit down and talk and actually think of ways to achieve peace because you know fighting for peace is like fucking for virginity it doesn't work uh, <laughs> and you know and so they have this you know this 
uh, inability to recognize that if this turns into a long, drawn-out conflict, just look at the long, drawn-out conflicts that have been happening in these past couple decades, Afghanistan being a perfect example. You really think you're gonna, your heart's going to bleed now for the uh, Ukrainian civilians while you're still pushing for war? Think about, think about the tears you're going to cry in the five, ten years down the road when the place is entirely destroyed because people sought more conflict over conflict mm-hmm. resolution and de-escalation. And we see that the, that same crowd, like it's it's or not crowd. It's a, it's more of like a mentality that's permeating all aspects. You know, we saw that the uh, the Ta- the National Taekwondo Association yesterday revoked Putin's black belt. You know, like it's this virtue <laughs> signaling to. Uh, and then this They're morning, I, I tweeted out, you know, they they fucking banned Russian cats from uh, from cat competitions because. That's going to stop this war, right? I I shit you not. The ABC stores here in Virginia, they literally just passed a a law or a decree or whatever it was just a few days ago, and they're pulling all of their Russian imported vodka from the shelves, and you have all these store clerks dumping their vodka down the drain. It's like, okay, that's – that that's really you know logical that that'll definitely do something impactful <laughs> yeah putin is profiting from all that right from the cats this, he's putin profits just... from the russian cats <laughs> <laughs> well that's what's so frustrating to me and why i made my last video is like we are not the government and it, it's this this delusion that you can punish the russian people and somehow okay wait i thought putin was attacked why would he care if his people are suffering because of external pressure put on that like and putin doesn't care like you're contradicting your own yeah. narratives like you're gonna go he doesn't care about the russian people it's it, and it's it's uh I, I think i saw something i cannot confirm this is true because it's twitter i did not fact check it but i guess russian gamers are being kicked off a platform is that correct like guess the steam platform it was some gaming platform that they're getting kicked off of is that is yeah that i think news? it's twitch or something like that <clears throat> something like that i but it's just it's like but what did they do? It's this this notion that we are the government that drives so many of these conflicts. It was like, well, we have to get revenge for 9-11, so we have to invade Afghanistan. And Saddam is threatening us, so we have to go kill him. And then the Iraqi people suffered. The, Afghanis- the people in Afghanistan suffer. And right now, Biden is sanctioning Afghanistan. And regular people who are not the government, who are not the Taliban, are starving. People are starving all over the world because of foreign policies like this that are really rooted in this notion of we are the government. And it's so sickening to see the demonization of millions of people because of the actions of governments. And I I just want to say none of this would be happening without government. It's not without Putin. It's not without the Ukrainian government. It's not without the American empire. It's without government. None of this would be happening. Like all parties are guilty here. But not the people. Sure, there are people who support them because they have also been deluded into thinking that they are their government. But by and large, they're not the ones carrying the guns. They're not the ones dropping the bombs. And I doubt that they'd be most people would not be willing to do that if they were the ones who had to have the blood on their hands. It is the government. And I, I think I, I, I cannot stress that enough. Excellent point, Carrie. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up that whole new uh, what about is buzzword, Matt. You must be seeing it as much as I have lately but i mean yeah that's exactly what it is it's a buzzword it's taking the internet by storm and it's generally mm-hmm. being used by people to deflect obfuscate gaslight anybody who suggests a position contrary to popular opinion it's basically just keeping closed minds closed and it gives people a feeling of justification confirming their own biases and i think it's absolutely toxic i don't i, I could think of very few applications where it's applied 
uh, correctly. And unfortunately, it's going to be one of these terms now that people just throw out there and uh, walk away feeling like they're the victor in the debate. You know, it's it's silly. But uh, it looks like uh, I'm just checking Twitter right now. It looks like there's um, something trending here. Ukraine and Russia tentatively agree to save corridors and aid delivery. So uh, obviously that's not much, but that is some communications and negotiations going on. Uh, seeing we're wrapping up here soon. Let's maybe focus on this last question, which is how long does this go for? Um, a ceasefire was agreed to after roughly a year during the 2014 conflict. So how does this end? Do we have any speculation? Does anybody want to maybe give any? Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about that this morning, Don and I, and um, Don might be able to, to elaborate a little bit better, but. The CIA has been arming an insurgency in Ukraine for some time now, and this could be a long-term ploy to draw Russia into a quagmire in which they have, you know, which they're stuck for, for years in order to bankrupt the the country at the expense of Ukrainian innocent Ukrainian lives, and that the stage is set for that exact thing to unfold. And I just, I really hope it doesn't get like that, you know. But I mean, that's that could that's totally one of the plays here that that can hold <clears throat> and what about the world war three scenario oh well i mean that's the that's the biggest thing if we if we get if the warhawks get what they want and a no-fly zone is established then we have to enforce it not we the the, the <laughs> you know the fucking nato has to enforce it and um the first time they they shoot down a, you know the set the first time russia or or the or a nato force deploys any kind of weapon towards russia that's going to drag in China. That's going to because China and Russia are tight allies. The whole BRICS um, alliance there, you know, that's going to it. That has the potentially catastrophic fucking recourse if if we establish that no fly zone and actually enforce it and start shooting down Russian fighters. Like right now, this is a this is a war between Ukraine and Russia. If the U.S. gets involved, a thirty nation NATO army also gets involved. And then China steps in. China might see that as an opportunity to take Taiwan while the whole world is, you know, in in conflict. And then we have something completely out of hand and, you know, potential nuclear catastrophe. I'm skeptical to say anything because I thought Hillary Clinton was going to win in 2016, you know. So I think my predictions are kind of, yeah, I wouldn't trust them. But I'm hoping, I am hoping, like, Putin's not an idiot. You know, I know a lot of people, it was like, like Donald Trump wasn't an idiot. He was actually quite skilled at manipulation and, and power plays. I'm not a Donald Trump supporter in any way. And I hate that I have to say that because it's like just acknowledging that the guy had some intelligence about about the way he was an authoritarian is, is like somehow pro-Trump. Um, I would like to think that Putin is not stupid enough to to draw this out much longer, but he's not the only one who's at play here. And I'm not going to pretend to know the the backroom conversations among NATO leaders and what their like what their true interests are. Of course, we can speculate, and it's, it's probably more or less accurate. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping these warmongers find a way to let cooler heads prevail. But again, like how much can we expect from from violent authoritarians who who rule through violence? I mean, it, it, I, I I don't have any specifics to offer. Unfortunately, I, I would never fancy myself like a a war strategy expert. Um, but I do hope that there's enough pushback from all parties, whether protesters in Russia getting thrown in jail for protesting the war um, or just just global 
recognition that this is not the way because how many times have uh, have nukes been dropped on on populations it was, is it just america i'm pretty sure it is mm-hmm. just the american yes. government i know that like there have been nuclear tests that affected civilians but like the civilians weren't the targets as far as i know and that goes for both america and russia you know just like nuclear radiation poisoning and whatnot uh because of all the testing they did um but I'm, I'm, I, I, it's weird because I can't tell if I just can't fathom it happening because it seems so unrealistic. Like, and maybe that's like bleeding into my my belief. That maybe it's not going to go that far because I, I guess it could go either way. And now I'm just rambling nonsense. So I'm going to pass it off to somebody who has a stronger opinion than me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned the U.S. being the only one to drop the atomic bomb. Um, I was listening to a speech from Nelson Mandela from a few years ago recently, and that had, uh, well, according to Mandela, the reason that the U.S. dropped the bomb, those two bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and killing hundreds of thousands of innocent people, including children, um, was to show Russia that we had these new weapons that, you know, that they couldn't fire, that not Russia at the time, it was the Soviet Union, to show them that we had these new weapons and they shouldn't mess with us. So 300,000 lives just ev- eviscerated into a fine red mist to prove a point to Russia. <clears throat> So, yeah, <laughs> next time you're like, USA, USA, think about yeah, that. Seriously. <laughs> well, and what's nuts is to this day, America, like so many Americans were like, yeah, we had to do it. I wasn't alive then, but we had to nuke them. We nuked them for good reason because we were the good guys and we had to show them that, that their aggression would not stand. Meanwhile, and this is not to completely change the subject, but I think it's a good example of how much context matters is like, I, of course, Japan was not justified to attack Pearl Harbor, but the United States had completely economically devastated them. That's not to say the Japanese Empire was justified in their violence, but if you want to have a conversation about what led to all of these events, you can't do it without the context of how the U.S. government was was very actually severely stonewalling the Japanese regime. Again, wasn't justified on either side, but people want to have these these uh, these conversations in a vacuum without being aware of so much that goes into what leads up to these really catastrophic events and i think this is just as true with what's going on in ukraine and russia right now yeah i mean even including the fact that the atomic bomb so many people aren't even aware that even dwight eisenhower himself said it was completely unnecessary and an awful mm-hmm. thing that shouldn't have happened um but with what's happening with ukraine and russia my projection, the best possible scenario that I see right now that I really hope plays out to be the case, um, is that you know they're able because of course right now they're undergoing these, these negotiations on the border between Ukraine and Belarus, and um, they're really trying to uh, you know figure out some sort of uh, peace negotiation. And um, you know there's all these talks of Ukraine and Georgia and these other countries joining the European Union. So I'm hoping. That what's happened is that they've reached a deal where, okay, Ukraine doesn't join NATO because that would jeopardize Russia's border security, but we will allow them to join the EU so they still have some sort of political backup and they're like that trading NATO for the EU is a good trade-off so everybody's happy and everybody calms the hell down. Yeah, let's hope that's the solution, man. I really do. Uh, I mean, that seems like the most logical way to get through this where all sides have somewhat of a you know, somewhat get their way. And <clears throat> um, I just hope that cooler heads do prevail in, in that, man. And and we don't uh, launch into some kind of World War Three, even though we're kind of in one already. <laughs> but yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a tough one, right? Because what can we do 
as individuals, right? We feel powerless. Protesting relieves anxiety, maybe makes us feel like we're being productive in some way. But do you guys really think these world leaders who have so much at stake with all the context of the history of their countries and their incentives and the power struggles that protests are actually going to change their mind? No, the protests don't really have much of an effect at all. And that doesn't mean anti-protest, but it's so much more important to dig deeper, to recognize that government isn't voluntarily contracted, that it isn't a humanitarian organization. It claims authority over our lives and these geographical land masses, but essentially they're just glorified gangs. So now is the time to disavow government because you're watching in real time between this, between COVID, between all the other things that happened in the past, whether it be war, police brutality, drug war stuff, all the injustice, the debt, the, I mean, everything. We could go down the line. You can't just be on one side and say, okay, I, I protest this war. We have to start being very adamant in our beliefs and disavow government completely. And I know anarchist sounds like a crazy, scary word, but it means no <clears throat> rulers. And I think this is how we evolve because in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. And you're at the time in history where it's absolutely crucial to make that choice, to make the choice to stand on the right side of history, to stand for peace and freedom and accountability. So to me, I think that's the solution for us. Obviously, that doesn't really change much for the, the people in Ukraine or Russia, but I feel that's the very best we could do. And the more that we can continue to put all of our energy in that direction to disavow government, to move away from this system, this archaic violent death cult, the better off humanity and society is going to be. Yeah, I completely agree, Jason. And I think that, um, you know, moving forward from that, I think, you know, the best way to you know, get people to wake up to that aspect or to that, you know, idea that you just mentioned is, you know, just continue to spread the truth. Cause you know, I'm sure everyone here being a journalist, we're all inspired by Julian Assange. And one of my favorite quotes from his is him is, uh, if wars can be started by lies, they can be stopped by truth. Um, and I mm -hmm. think continue to spread that truth and not only the truth about war and just wake people up to that, but the truth about the the false idealism that is this belief in authority. And, you know, for the, the listeners of this show who are still kind of on the fence about eh, anarchism still sound kind of weird, I, I'll implore. <laughs> to read two books, The Most Dangerous Superstition by Larkin Rose and The Consciousness yeah. Trilogy by Derek Bros. Right on. I second that. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so I think, you know, just pushing people, not pushing people, but helping people get to that idea of, you know, spread the truth, wake up to what's happening, realize that authority isn't real, any, any sort of attempted governments over you that is not uh, expressly consented is nothing but tyranny by another name, and just try to get people to realize none of this would be happening if we didn't consent or give some sort of false consent to this absurd system that doesn't give a damn about any of us. So we need to create a parallel society and work towards just creating a better, freer, more peaceful, loving community for everybody. And that's how we really defeat the system is by making it obsolete. You know, revolutions, protests, it doesn't really do the job. What does the job is by creating new ways of just organizing society in general that just make the old way obsolete. So like John Lennon said, they that when they get you violent, they know how to handle you, but they don't know how to handle humor and nonviolence. Excellent way to wrap up the show. Does anybody have anything else to say? 
No, I think that's that's the way to end it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mic drop. Man, thank you all uh, both for coming on, uh, Carrie and Dawn. I really appreciate it. This was a, a very interesting discussion about Russia, and it's, um, it's, I hope it helps our listeners understand, you know, a little bit better about what's going on and can help spark some other nuanced conversations about war and what it means and and who benefits from it and who suffers from it you know uh one important thing is uh you know if you're ever going to have these conversations with people try not to be confrontational you win you know you win more flies with honey than you do with uh with vinegar and um so you know always try to be nice to people even if they I know it's hard to do that sometimes, but you do you do change a lot more minds when you when you're when you're nicer to people and you and you you, you try to have discussions with them rather than like yelling matches on Twitter. Very true. Good points, Matt. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was an awesome conversation, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Awesome. Thanks.